Chapter 10. Sacred Space. Expanding Territory and Redefining Temple. Jesus was inaugurating a way of life which had no further need of the temple. N.T. Wright. Jesus lived and taught in a world that viewed life in terms of concentric circles of sacred space. Although all the world belonged to God, Israel was a particularly holy land, within which was Jerusalem, the holy city. In Jerusalem was the holy temple, where God's presence dwelled, animal sacrifices were offered, and forgiveness was received. And finally, within the temple was the epicenter of sacredness, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was said to be most manifest. The basic geometry of sacred space looked something like this, and you can picture concentric circles. Again, on the outer rim is Israel, within Israel is Jerusalem, within Jerusalem is the temple, and within the temple is the Holy of Holies. Contrary to the religious norm of his day, Jesus taught a form of spirituality that erased the lines of distinction between sacred space and mundane space. Accordingly, in the words of N.T. Wright, the whole world is now seen as God's holy land. Religion bases much of its approach to life on strong distinctions between the sacred and the profane, the holy and the mundane. First it creates the distinctions, and then it offers systematic ways for people to move from one realm to the other, from the profane to the holy. Often this process includes pilgrimages to holy sites or attending special services in sacred spaces, usually in special buildings that represent the institution. Jesus offset the status quo of his day by speaking of his own body as the temple or sanctuary of God, John 2.21. That is, the place where the divine and the human meet. Wherever he went, he acted as though the divine presence was fully with him, and not just back in the temple in Jerusalem. For instance, Jesus scandalized the religious leaders by personally offering people God's forgiveness for their sins. The religion of first century Israel taught that people received God's forgiveness in a specific way, through the animal sacrificial system of the temple in Jerusalem. One would purchase a goat or a dove from a vendor, conveniently located in the temple courts, and then present it to a priest for sacrifice. Only a priest of the temple could then conduct the ceremony and offer worshippers forgiveness of sins on behalf of God. It was all quite simple, quite predictable, quite institutional. Therefore, when Jesus would say to people, Your sins are forgiven, Matthew 9, 1-13, Luke 7, 36-50, he was not just being a kind source of encouragement to hurting people, but making a decidedly irreligious statement to his culture. He was completely bypassing the religious system of his day and helping people connect with God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness directly. Again, to quote N.T. Wright, Jesus was being and doing what only the temple was supposed to be and do. As expected, when the religious leaders heard him do this, they were understandably outraged. His actions were scandalous. What Jesus did was tantamount to thumbing his nose at the religious system. He offered people what only God, through the temple system, could offer people. He put himself in the center of God's relationship with humanity. He was saying, in effect, Now God will forgive your sins, not through the temple, but through me thereby making religion redundant. Jesus was a one-man, walking, talking, counter-temple movement. He embodied all that the temple stood for. He was offering through himself what only the religious system of his day was supposed to offer, God's grace. So offering forgiveness to sinners directly was, in a way, both a creative and destructive gesture. Creative for the human spirit, destructive for the religious system. 
Even while he was busy building people up, Jesus was busy tearing religion down. This Jesus versus temple theme reached its climax one day when Jesus visited the sacrificial institution itself, and he threw a complete temple tantrum. He turned over the tables and released all the sacrificial animals that were used for the forgiveness ceremonies. Though he only shut down the system temporarily, it was a symbolic act that called his people to rethink the whole concept of forgiveness and how it was applied to their lives. See Matthew twenty-one twelve to 14 Jesus also taught his followers to expect his own continuing presence to dwell not within special buildings called churches, but within their relationships. He said that wherever two or three people gather together in his name, he would be there with them, Matthew 18.20. If you want to get close to me, says Jesus, get close to the people I love. See Matthew 25.31-46. Taking their cues from Christ, his earliest followers saw themselves as living stones built together into a new organic temple made up of the people of God. They believed that the Spirit of God dwelled within this relational temple, this sanctuary as community. See 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 and Ephesians two nineteen to 22 And they believed that their entire lives were altars upon which to offer sacrificial love to God and others. Romans 12, 1. Because of Jesus, they understood that all of life is holy and every relationship is sacred. Truly, there is no holier ground than the sacred space between you and me as we connect in honest, vulnerable, forgiving relationship. This is why the early Christian movement felt no need to hold their meetings in special buildings. For about the first 300 years, Christ followers met primarily in people's homes and on occasion may have rented a local hall for larger gatherings. The idea of constructing special holy buildings called churches where priests would steward out God's grace to the people would have been a very foreign idea to the early Christians. Instead, the early church considered every believer a priest representing God to each other. The word church in the New Testament refers to the coming together of the people, an assembly, a gathering, not a building. My church is the group of Christ followers that I hang out with regularly and build relationship with, not the building we meet in. Together in loving relationship, we all have the privilege of becoming the temple, the dwelling place of God. End of Disc 1